Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Hello, everybody. I am Lucia Matuonto, and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast, a talk show where my guests and I talk about relatable everyday situations, books, and the environment we live in. Remember to subscribe and follow the podcast on social media so you can be notified when a new episode is available. Let's begin. Hello and welcome to the Relatable Voice podcast. Today we are headed to Mississippi for a chat with Zachary Hagen. Zachary wears many hats. He's a creative writing teacher and the mastermind behind the Eternal Chronicles series. His latest masterpiece, Eternity's Edge, is about to hit the shelves. So, my dear Zachary, welcome to the RV. Yes, thank you for having me this afternoon. Pleasure to speak with you. Zachary, you made the move from Colorado Springs to Mississippi with your wife and two dogs. What's the best thing about living in Mississippi for you? I think that it's the community that we have. We are so grateful for our friends and the people that we have the privilege of working with. Um, both my wife and I work at the same school and we just are so grateful for the amazing people that we get to work with every day. Oh, nice. So your wife is also a teacher. She's actually our office manager. So she does all of our filing and ordering stuff. She is the one who keeps everything organized and running. Let's say she's the boss there. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. We all have to listen to her. So... Zachary, I heard you started your writing journey as a kid. Can you recall the first story you ever penned? The first story I ever penned, um, I don't remember what my mother does and she tells me that it is, or it was a story about a dragon who gave flowers to children. Oh, so cute. So maybe you can still use this character in one of your books. Who knows, you will start writing for kids. Yeah, it's a definite possibility for sure. Mm -hmm. Speaking of your journey, you've mentioned that writing has been a big part of your personal growth. Zachary, how did creating and finishing your first book contribute to your self-discovery? That is such a wonderful question. When I finished my first book... We were in this point in our lives, my wife and I, where we were between jobs. It was the height of the pandemic. So it was all of that crazy stuff. And of course, like many during the pandemic, we experienced some losses. And it was really cathartic to write that first book. 
I think some of the conversations that I wrote in that book were almost like a conversation between me and God. And I healed a lot from getting to write those characters and that story. And it was a great reminder that there was more than what was going on around me. And it helped me to gain a lot of perspective on my own life. Yeah, the, the pandemic was really tough for everybody. And you are a teacher. And I believe that balancing teaching, administration, and a writing career sounds like juggling a few too many balls, Zachary. Oh, you know, I have always been busy. And I think that I have ADHD and I've been able to turn it into more of a strength than a weakness because I can switch back and forth between things quickly and I can pick up projects in the middle of where I left them off before. So, you know, maybe someone whose brain function normally, this would be a lot for them, but to me, it's just kind of normal. Yeah. I'm a big believer in finding whatever your greatest weakness is and figuring out how to turn it into a strength. Yeah, I love it. Zachary, how do you manage it all? Are you a full-time teacher? I am a full-time teacher. And I think that teaching is such a creative discipline. We say it in my circle all the time that it's both an art and a science because every kid is different and how we all learn. I mean, there are some commonalities in how we absorb information and the ways in which the human mind can learn something new. But it varies with personality and um, previous knowledge. So a lot of it is, is very similar to writing, actually, because when you're writing a story, there are, well, at least for me, I plot out all my books. And so I have a goal to get where I'm going. And it's the same with teaching. There's a goal at the end of every class, at the end of every year. So... It's finding the ways in which to move the learning or the plot along that works the best for each individual character and makes the most sense and feels good. Um, so there's a lot of things that are honestly pretty similar between teaching and writing. Do your students read your books? Yeah. Um, I've had a few students actively seek my books out. Um, some don't even know that I'm a writer until... Um, they notice my books on the shelf. I have one student, a former student that's graduated and is at university now that is eagerly awaiting the release of my fourth book. So she's excited to see that one. Um, and she'll really want the fifth book to be out as quickly as possible, which I'm working on that now as well. Um, and then I have some students that just read the first book and appreciated it for what it was and haven't read any more. But you know, I'm still grateful for anyone who has read it. Yeah. It's so rewarding. And Zachary, the Eternal Chronicles series is, is a cool mix of fantasy and Christian history. <laughs> so what inspired yeah. you to turn biblical stories into a fantastical world that resonates with teens and young adults? So I grew up loving the Chronicles of Narnia. And C.S. Lewis was this incredible writer, and I'm sure that many people, most people have read or seen an adaptation of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, which is the story of the Passion of the Christ translated into a fantasy world. 
And I remember my first year teaching, I had kids and I would ask, oh, you know, if you like the Chronicles of Narnia, you might like this book series or something like this. And several times I heard, oh, I've never read or I've never seen something from the Chronicles of Narnia. And it shocked me because to me, it seems like such a cultural cornerstone of literature. And they just weren't finding it relatable, I guess. Mm-hmm. So I thought, well, we need something that accomplishes the same thing as Narnia, but is going to speak to an audience today. So I set out to basically write the spiritual successor to the Chronicles of Narnia. I love the Chronicles of Narnia. Me too. <laughs> I love it. And are you using characters from the Bible or are they your own creations? So like other types of historical fiction, I will take characters and adapt them. And sometimes I'll combine them. Like I did not write 12 apostles for the character that represents Jesus. I wrote three, um, three people represent all 12 disciples. Some characters are big enough that I felt like they needed a whole character. Like um, Paul from the Bible is represented as one whole character and I think people reading through the series will love his arc. And if they know the story of Paul, will recognize him pretty easily. Other characters are more drawn from concepts and certain biblical prophecies because some of what I'm writing has yet to happen because I set out to write basically from Jesus' ministry and death and resurrection to the second coming which of course is something that hasn't happened yet. So now, especially with the fifth book writing that, I'm sort of inventing as I go along what might happen. And did you have to engage in extensive research into the Bible? I mean, I suppose if I didn't know the stories well enough, I probably would have, but I grew up a Christian. My dad was a pastor. Uh, still is a pastor, but he works in a different, um, he doesn't work at a church anymore. He does um, a different ministry. And my mom worked for the same church as a teacher in Christian schools. So it was, everything was pretty well known to me because I grew up so engrossed in it. Um, I tell people like when your dad is a pastor, your mom's a teacher, and you go to Christian school your whole life, it's almost like being culturally Jewish because they spend all of their time around other Jewish people. They marry within their same religion. Um, and so it's it's very much the same way for me. It wasn't just something I learned about once a week. It was my whole life. I ask this because delving into the entire Bible can be very challenging. For instance, the book of Revelation It presents numerous interpretative puzzles. It's so confusing. And I see that you use also the stories of the end of the times. And it has various perspectives on its meaning. I think that they definitely can be. Um, I will say that I'm looking more at the things that can be taken literally um, and not delving so much into specific interpretations of different visions um, that John had in writing Revelation. 
but I am focusing on the event of the second coming and sort of the emotions and the, um, the events surrounding it that can be easily interpreted. So your latest book, it's already published, Zachary, because I did not see it on your website. It's already produced. I have been so busy this particular semester that I haven't updated on there, but it is on Amazon for pre-order. Okay. So that part I was able to get done. Um, Eternity's Edge is ready um, this week. Um, it's on my to-do list to get the preview of it up on my website for people to start reading. So it is ready to go. It's been through the publishing process and we're just waiting on the release date now. And can you tell us a little bit what we can expect from this latest installment? Absolutely. So this one is focused on sort of that intermediary history of the Christian church between Paul's um, death and the Reformation. So this is everything between then getting ready for the end of time. So our characters have gone through a lot of loss. Elior has lost almost everything, but life goes on. And so the first chapter starts with a couple, with actually three weddings. Uh, readers of the previous book can guess who that might be. And a big set of changes but also the need to finish the work that Michael has for them. And they are on a quest to find Eternity's Edge, which no one has ever heard of before. And it's something new. So they have to figure out what it is before they can find it. And how do you envision the Eternal Chronicles impacting your readers, especially in terms of faith, and, of course, pushing through tough times like now, for example. I think it's, I really want people to learn from Alior what perseverance and faith looks like. Um, the characters will occasionally have trouble because I've given them gifts that were fr directly from the Great Spirit, my version of God, in the stories. And when they lack faith, the gifts don't work as well. But when they're strong in their faith, they are able to do incredible things. And I want it to be a source of hope that if you keep persisting and you're persevering and you keep that faith strong, even when you doubt, that beautiful things will happen, even in the midst of trouble. And what are you... Are the goals you have for your writing career? I would love to at some point have a book on the bestsellers list, even if it's not Eternal Chronicles to begin with. Um, I figure if I can get something on a bestsellers list, that will draw more attention to older books. Um, and I don't ever see it being my only source of income, but if it was a, a good side income that, maybe allowed my wife to stay home if she wanted to I'm not saying she has to, but if she wanted to, that I, I would like to have that option for her. Mm -hmm. Very modest. I don't think that I'm going to push to become a millionaire off my books, but if they're in enough hands and people enjoy them and 
they pay for themselves, then I'm happy. Yes, and the, the, this is your fourth book? This is my fourth, yes. Are you planning to publish the fifth one? or I am. I am. I'm looking to publish the fifth one, which will be the last in the series, uh, probably this coming summer. Great. So that means that I'll go back to Mississippi to talk with you. <laughs> Very likely, unless we move, but we don't know yet. I can drive anywhere with this RV. <laughs> RVs are great. Very versatile. And uh, Zachary, where can our listeners find you and, of course, your books? First place would, of course, be ZacharyHaganWrites.com. And all my social media is linked there, as well as the links to my author page on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And Zachary, it was such a pleasure to speak with you. And I wish you success and that you can reach your goals. Thank you so much. I wish the same for you. Thank you. And I hope we can talk again. I would love that. Thank you so much for having me this afternoon. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified when the next one is posted. Please rate this podcast and share it with your friends. Thank you for listening. And remember, relationships don't exist. Relating does. Until next time.